Amen. All month long, we've been talking about the wonders of his love. And we've been really asking this question, what happens if you lose your wonder? I mean, like as a kid, you don't have to tell kids to wonder. They wonder about everything. If you've got a two or three-year-old and you're a mom, you're like, please don't ask me any more questions. Right? Somewhere along the way, we stop asking questions, don't we? I mean, we just do. We're kind of like, okay, I figured out who I'm going to marry. I got my kids here. got my job. It's like the same every week. And you stop wondering. And so this whole series is about how do you get your wonder back? How do you grow and how do you learn and how do you become? You know, wonder is a response to something that's truly amazing. Wonder is the spark that leads towards innovation and curiosity. You know, one of the things that I found in my life is when I'm, my wife is sharing and I listen and I wonder about what she's saying, she likes me so much more, right? Write that down, guys. Wives, nudge, nudge the guy. Just be like, hey, you should write that down. Why don't you wonder about me? Why aren't you thinking about who I am, right? Like, I mean, wonder... Wonder is the beginning of belief. Wonder brings us together and it helps us look up and ask the question, God, what don't I know that you want to show me in this world? Wonder doesn't go against reason, it goes beyond. There's just certain points of Uh, in our life where we just don't have answers, where we can't explain. And what if we took that and filled that with wonder? God, there's this challenge in my life. I wonder how you're going to solve it. I need your grace. Wonder leads towards positive things. I'll tell you what, I am so quick at doubt, pessimism, skepticism. I'm a child of the you know, the Xer generation, and we just love to be critical about everything, you know, and wonder helps get us out of that rut. It keeps us from being stuck. Now, as I was getting ready to write this message, I started writing it, and I was like thinking like, let's drink some hot cocoa, and let's write just this Hallmark kind of Christmas message, which you guys I'm sure would all want. One of my friends told me that I looked like the elf on the shelf, And I was like, what? Do you see it? I scare me on that. I don't know. I don't know. I thought he was right. And um, I was getting ready to write it, and they asked me this question that just changed the whole trajectory of my message. They said, Brandon, when you write messages, who do you think of? And I said to them, just being funny, like you. You know, like I, I threw it back at him, like, oh, no, he's thinking of me when he's... And I, I, it actually took me all the way back to why I became a pastor. Uh, one of the reasons why I wanted to become a pastor is I wanted to be a part of a church where my cousins could come and feel like they understand what we're talking about, it's not weird, and um, they would feel accepted from the very beginning. Like, that, that was the heart. See, my, my family, we, we grew up, and my mom and dad were the first ones to say yes to Jesus and to follow him. And so every year, our family would go to Christmas Eve, and then there was the extended family, all the cousins and the aunts and the uncles, and they were all at grandma and grandpa's house waiting for the Camerons, right? Because they were at church. 
And I love my cousins, and I always wanted them to come and be able to feel apart. And so literally when I write these messages, I write them for my cousin, Sean. Like that's, that, that's who I write them for. And I started to think about how does Sean think about a Christmas Eve message? And I realized that for Sean, he, he probably thinks like this is the moment where if I go to this, where the Christians get to tell us that Jesus said they were right. You can laugh at that. Like, that's ridiculous, right? I mean, like, I think that's what he, I think that's what he, he thinks. And I just thought, I wonder how many other people are like him that just think like, oh, this is the part where like, I got to sit down and listen to see who's right. And that's not at all what Christmas is about. God sent his son to this earth because the earth was broken. And, and it, it's, brokenness goes all the way to the core of our DNA in our life and it's affected every human heart every person that ever walks through the doors of the church walks in by God's grace and mercy every breath we take is by God's grace and mercy and you know what we want I want you to walk away with today is I want you to walk away knowing that no matter where you're at right now even if you're just running from God that God loves you he loves you no matter what in the Christmas story, the angels appear before shepherds and they announce, good news, great joy for all the Christians. Wrong. That's not what they announce. Some of you are like, good, a few. They, good news, great joy, check this out, for all people. Christmas is for all people. That's what it's about. And I hope that today, no matter where you're at, you feel like, you know what? Jesus is coming to this earth and it's good news for me tonight. That's the hope. In fact, in Romans 5, it says this. It says, but God showed his great love for us by sending Christ to die for us while we were still sinners. Christmas is not where God says, you nailed it to the Christians and says, you're right about everything. Christmas is about God sending his son so that everyone on earth would know he's loved. We've heard some of the Christmas stories today. The kids reading it, they did way better than I could ever do. And one of the um, gospel stories you don't hear about the Christmas story a lot is in John chapter 1. John writes this thematic Genesis accounts of what it means that Jesus came to this planet. And in John chapter 1, verse one, it says this, it says, the word gave life to everything that was created and his life brought light to everyone, everyone. The light shines into the darkness and the darkness can never extinguish it. The birth of Jesus is an announcement that God's light has invaded this planet. It's invaded every human heart and that no matter what darkness, challenge, or obstacle exists in this world, it can never be extinguished because God's light is here and that is good news and it is great joy for all people. I wrote down a few problems that I think Christmas helps us with. Have you noticed there's been some challenges the last few years? Right? There's been some challenges. And I want to take a moment and talk to him because I believe that Christmas isn't just something we wonder about, but it's something that's changing this world that we can hold on to. The first thing I started is I thought instead of starting with others, I'd start with myself. And I wrote down this, that, that Christmas helps us with the problem of broken pastors just like me. 
right? I guess that's, I'll probably be the only one who writes this point down. But I think it's important that you know that I know that I'm just as broken as you. And I even said to my friend, I said, is it just me or have pastors gotten weirder? And he said, nope, they've always been weird. (laughs) They've always been weird. I, I just think somewhere along the way, we need to be reminded that every one of us walk in the same humility and love and grace because Jesus is with us and every one of us need him. The second thing I wrote down is this, is we did, a re, we did a study this year from the Surgeon General. And the Surgeon General talked about a top crisis that was an epidemic in this world, and it wasn't COVID. It was loneliness. I mean, you think of the impact of all of us just saying, hey, we're going to take two years and we're going to play hide and seek, but just the hide part in our houses to avoid COVID. It's had some impacts in our nation because of what's happened. And one of the impacts is loneliness. And the Surgeon General said this, that loneliness impacts your health as much as smoking 15 cigarettes a day. And that over half of America is dealing with loneliness. Major groups that are dealing with it is young adults and empty nesters. It just got me thinking about, like, this is like a problem that the church can be a part of. I mean, don't you think the church should be a part of helping people with the loneliness academic? It's like what we're here for. If we're not doing it, we should change what we do, right? I was thinking about my own life. And coming out of the pandemic, I remember about, like, when we started, like, taking off the masks and talking to people and seeing people's teeth and starting to go back out into the world again. I started not wearing pajamas all day long. Which, by the way, not a win. Like, not a win on that one. That was, the, that was my favorite part, is just sweats all day. And I remember having a serious conversation with my wife saying, um, honey, we need to emotionally re-up in this community. Like, we, we need to find new friends. Like, we need to take steps. Because I'm not at the age anymore where I'm great at making friends. I'm just not. There's a certain age you get where you start thinking things like this. I wonder if I don't have to leave the house today. That would be awesome. I'm at that stage. I'm like, I'm, my kids are like, aren't we going to go out? I'm like, no. Why would we go out? Everything I love is right here. I'm at, like, age where I'm, like, going, hey, um, 8 p.m., I'm good. I don't need to go out. Long ago were the days of, do you want to go to Seattle? No. Failure. Well, it's hard to make friends when you're like that. And so this year, um, we, we emotionally re-upped, and we joined a small group. We joined a small group. And all of my small group friends that I love are all right where I'm at, which we're just staring and looking at the idea of empty nest. And we're not sure how it's gonna go, but the rumor is if you send them out, they'll just come right back anyway. So we should be okay. (laughs) And it has been so good and so healthy to be in community right here with a group of people. And here's my prayers. I want that for every person here. Might not be a group, maybe it's men's breakfast or women's brunch. I, I don't know what it is, but to emotionally re-up and go, I'm engaged, I'm a part of this, I'm gonna show up, I wanna see what God could do in my life in 2024, I'm gonna lean in. 
the, the fifth thing I wrote down, which is, is one that I didn't even want to share with you, but I just feel like I have to, is um, in, in our nation right now, one of the biggest problems is political polarization. It's just like, ugh. I mean, I don't know if that's a word or not, but it feels like it should be. And um, it feels like, you know, we're getting ready for this thing called elections. And it feels like whoever, the news pundits and all those people, what they like to do is they like to take all of the things that trigger us and just put them in a big old witch's brew and just start stirring them around and let's see who we can make angry today, right? And then suddenly what happens is we listen to angry people on TV and then we become the angry person in our home and then that's all we start talking about and it gets divided, right? The, the New York Times, they did a study on the fact that, that many Christians have left the church over the last two years. And what they said is they didn't become non-Christians, they became Christian nationalists, which was like, what? I thought you would laugh more. I don't know. <laughs> I mean, you're here. You don't count. I mean, you're, you're good, right? And one of the things they found is by attending a community of people that disagrees with you, it helps you stay healthy. I think of it as this. It's, there's power in tension in our life. We need to be with people that don't think like us, don't vote like us, don't, don't agree over the same things, and learn how to be civil and loving and kind and gracious. I think Jesus said something about a good Samaritan, right, and learning how to love our enemy, and that the person we're to love is the person that's not like us, right? It's really easy to love the people. Well, sometimes it's not even easy to love the people that are like you. Jesus raises the bar and says, we need to learn how to love the people that are not like us. And I just wonder this year is what does it look like us for to live in 2024 committed to be peacemakers in every conversation that we're facing in our life? And could that bring heaven to earth in our world today? Because let's just face it, no matter which way you vote, Jesus is not coming back on Air Force One. He's not. And Jesus has called us to be citizens first of heaven. And we need that in our heart. The last thing I want to share with you is um, I think that as a, as a church, one of the things we need to lean into is just helping people with their marriages. I mean, let's just face it. There's a lot of broken marriages, a lot of people trying to recover. And I talked to my wife about this and I said, I don't know why people think it's so hard to be married. It's so easy to be married to you. And she goes, but it's hard to be married to you, Brandon. Like, <laughs> like I have had to work so hard. I have had to work so hard to be married to you. And I get it because I'm difficult. And um, I, I just think that as a church, we need to do the best we've ever done helping people learn how to love people, how to grow, how to build families. And I, be, I believe that it matters. I believe it matters. I found this quote, and I think it's so important. It's um, by Tim Keller. And it says the gospel is this. In other words, the good news, when you experience Jesus for the first time, this is what it feels like. We are more broken and flawed than we've ever dared believe. Yet at the very same time, we are more loved and accepted in Jesus than what we ever dared, dared hope. What's fascinating about the story of the Bible is that it says God is good, and then the second tenet doesn't feel great when you first hear it, is we are broken. 
just, ah, uh, we, we are, I don't like that. But what, haven't you ever had the feeling that you're just not quite far along as you thought you would be? The Bible says we all fall short. We just, we just didn't quite make it. And here's what we find. When we find ourselves in that spot, or maybe you just go, quite make it, I blundered. When you find yourself at that spot, you find yourself loved by God. You've allowed him to see you at your worst, and he loves you at his best. Can there be more grace than that ever? And isn't that what we're all searching for, the wonders of God's love? I want to take the rest of this message and just really quickly tell you just how wonderful God's love is. In Ephesians 3.18, it says this, And may you have the power to understand, as all God's people should, how wide, how high, how long, and how deep is God's great and wonderful love. May you experience the love of Christ, though it is too wonderful to understand. How great is God's love? We can't quite understand it. Every time through the scriptures, Jesus was going and meeting with people and all the religious leaders were like, no, you can't do that. And he's like, but I'm gonna. So I wanna talk about those four things. The first one, God's love is wide. God's love is wide. And I asked this question, it asked this question, who's included? Who gets to belong and experience God's love? Isn't that a question that comes up so much in this world? Like, hey, who, who gets to be involved in this God thing, in this Jesus thing, in this new life thing, in this following Jesus right here in Paul's? Who, who belongs, who doesn't? Isn't that a question that people have asked throughout history? How wide is God's love? I'll tell you, it's wider than you think. It's wider than the church thinks. It's wider than all the religious people think. In fact, in Dallas Willard's book, Divine Conspiracy, he argued that the number one Jesus, reason Jesus had to be born is to show people on this planet that they are included in God's plan. And he argues that you could boil down what Jesus did as access to the good news of Jesus Christ. Everywhere Jesus went, there were religious leaders saying, well, this woman doesn't belong, that race doesn't belong, those people don't belong, and Jesus had the harshest words for those religious leaders and the most grace you've ever experienced on this planet for the broken, for the hurting, the people that were outcasts that don't belong. Jesus was like, these people, these are my people. I don't know what you're doing, but you're wrecking my church. That was his message. It was access. Jesus was saying, no, no, guys. This has always been a love letter for the world, and I am spreading it everywhere you go, and every time you draw a line, I'm going to step right over it. God's love is wider than you think. The better question isn't who belongs, but how do we help people understand they do belong? What does it look? The second one, I like this one. It's a little dangerous. God's love is high, which you might be asking, like, how high is God? Some of you got it. Do you know the answer? He's the most high. That joke was from my cousin Sean. How high is God's love? 
This question is this, is what am I worth to God? Boy, I think we have a whole generation that just struggles to think they're worth anything. To God, you're worth everything. You matter to God. You matter. The whole point of Christmas is that God sent his son out of heaven into earth. That had to be more uncomfortable for Jesus. And he lived in the mess in the world so that you would know for the rest of your life, your God is Emmanuel. What does Emmanuel mean? God with us. God is with you. He is there for you. God's love is high. The third one is this. God's love is long. The question you find yourself asking about God's love is this, is at what point would God give up on me? Isn't that a scary feeling? So many of us have grown up in a world where it felt the love we've experienced has only been conditional or based on performance or behavior or attitude. It seems to me that what we're hearing from the story of God is that God's love is not unconditional. God's love is unconditional. That there is no extent. You say, how do I know that God's love is still available to me? Brandon, you don't know what I've done, what I've gone through, where I've been. Here's how I know. You still have breath. You still have breath. And it means that God's love and grace extends to you no matter where you're at. The last one is this, is God's love is deep. And this question is this, is there anywhere God would not go to get me? Is there anywhere God would not go to get me? The answer is no. Literally in the scriptures it says, if you were down in hell, I would go down there. Isn't that amazing? Wherever you go. For most of us, it's not, we don't think of it like that. We think of it like, Brandon, you don't know this dark day of my life and my soul, that's where I was at. I want you to know God's with you. Sometimes there's this language we say that's just not theologically accurate, accurate is um, I feel far from God. You might feel far from him, but theologically, wherever you are, he is with you. This earth is his footstool. He's there. He's literally one prayer away from you and whatever you're facing and whatever you're going through and whatever you're needing. It's unbelievable to think about how great God's love is. I want to close with this story. This story is by Ernest Hemingway. And he, write, he wrote this short story about a father and his son, Paco. And it's set in Spain. And um, Paco had run away He'd completely left. And so his dad took out an ad in the newspaper. And this is what the dad wrote. Dear Paco, meet me in front of the newspaper office at noon tomorrow. All is forgiven. I love you. The next day, the father shows up. And at noon, there are 800 Pacos. (laughs) Is there anyone on earth that doesn't want to hear their father say, Come home, I love you, all is forgiven. The announcement that Jesus came to this world is an invitation to the entire world to come home.
to know that God has forgiven you and your Father in heaven loves you. And here's what it does. It brings unexpected joy.